Whether you're starting out, settling into, or scaling up your freelance business, navigating the ever-changing marketplace can be challenging. That's why the Freelance Heroes portal is the best place for you. On top of the essential practical support and resources available, the Freelance Heroes community provides moral support too, to help you go it alone without feeling alone. We like to think of the community as virtual business sidekicks, always there when you need them. For greater presence and support to help your freelance business grow, join Freelance Heroes. And right now, you can also try out our gold membership for one month for free. Sign up today at freelance-heroes.com. Hello, Ed here, and welcome to the Freelance Heroes podcast. Once again, delighted that you could join me this week. Now, from time to time, as I've done previously with Coconut and Ferilio, I like to talk with a business that truly understands the freelance community. And it turns out that Content Cal isn't just a content management tool used by many freelancers, but is actually relied heavily on freelancers to help grow its business since its conception in 2016. So what is it about the freelance community that it connects with so well? How have freelancers helped? How can freelancers be attractive and put themselves in front of businesses like Content Cow? Really useful tips here too. Uh, So the best person to talk to for this is Andy Lambert. He's the Director of Growth for Content Cow, lovely guy, the kind of guest you like. You know when you ask one question and they answer three questions? I like that kind of guest, especially when all the answers turn out to be as brilliant as they are in this. So uh, enjoy. Uh, This is Andy Lambert from Content Cow. Uh, Andy Lambert, lovely to see you again. Thank you, Ed. Great to see you too. You have one of my favourite job titles, um, Director of Growth. I I love that. Um, It's... It's, <laughs> is that, yeah, I don't know where to, where that, I, I want to ask you where it came from, but I guess the name will be slightly more in, entertaining than the story of where it came from, but Philly Boots. Yeah, um, it was, well, the joy of startups, when you start a company, you can give yourself whatever name you like, um, and it covers quite a broad remit. It sounds better than sales and marketing, um, and and I also like the irony because I'm the shortest one in the company by quite some way. So it's, yeah, I'm, basically I failed to grow as, a, as an adult. So, hey, the director of growth. Now, uh, like so many people I talk to on this podcast, Andy is another one who I've met through social media who says it doesn't work. Um, and we've been toying with the idea of having a conversation at some point, um, which we've done. And, and here we are for the uh, podcast. And it's it's really interesting to to see content cal grow so much over that time, not just the noise you're making, but equally as well, the noise that so many make about uh, from within the freelance community about it as well, amongst some fairly stiff competition, it's safe to say. So let's mm-hmm. start at the beginning, if we if we will, and and, and kind of talk us through the, the early stages and the, the conceptual stages of content cal. So, okay, great. Well, I'll keep it fairly short and succinct. Um, so I can't be credited with the initial idea of Content Cows. That came from our CEO, who still remains our CEO, Alex, Alex Packham. So he was the social media manager for Now TV. And uh, like like the best freelancers do, take what he knew from uh, running social for Now TV, left there and basically sold his services back into Now TV and basically was creating content for Now TV. Mm-hmm. Now that then led Alex into creating an agency and picking up a few clients and such, but in the back of Alex's mind was always the way that he created and planned and organized content and basically came up with content strategies all built on spreadsheets. So it was always in Alex's mind that he wanted to do something like this and create a better alternative. So I met Alex through, uh, through an investor. Uh, I'd done previous software startups before. Um, got on with Alex really well I fancied the idea um I like the look of it so I got involved and that was uh mid 2016 we launched the product to market beginning of 2017 and um 
yeah we've taken what we've learned in we initially started growing as an agency as well because obviously we it's very hard to make good money running a subscription business initially so we kept our agency business but that also allowed us all to kind of like really when when you're kind of refining content plans for clients it gives you a real nice perspective on how you want to build software that will handle content plans organization and planning we're, we're all practitioners of our craft rather than technologists and that i think that's given us a unique approach to what we do because we've we've lived um in the shoes of our target audience rather than thought oh we've got an idea to make money we've built something that we all really wanted to use um, so I think that's one of the key things that seems to shine through. And uh, I know that it's not only available for freelancers, it's it's for a far wider audience too. But what's the reason for its, it being so you know, available to all rather than either go for a freelance market or go for a bigger market? Is, you know, what's the, the decision making behind that? Fundamentally, it's the fact that the top end of the market, we'll call it enterprise, is pretty well served, right? There's a there's a lot of tools in our space, as you've alluded to already. It's a very, very competitive space with some fantastic competition. Um, but the the typical journey of a software company from when you when it's initially created into you know multiple scale, multiple fundraising rounds and scaling across the world, is naturally your price point goes up commensurate with your growth. And that's that's a well and good and it, it makes economic sense for the business, but it also has left a big gap in the market for uh, small to mid sized businesses and the solopreneur freelance community to, to find a really good product that is one super intuitive, easy to use and really doesn't have any compromises ultimately. And I think that's that's also been one of the, the core elements of it, because the, the thing that we've always tried to think about when we're doing content calendar when we're building and designing it is just like trying to strip out anything that's unnecessary focusing mostly on simplicity it's a really obvious thing to say but it it's actually a really hard thing to do to make things beautifully simple um so it means like making hard hard decisions and choices around what you're not going to include as part of the product but that does now allow us to to provide a really accessible product to a broader market because ultimately it's, it's that small to mid-size audience that we want to serve. We see it as an underserved market. And ultimately the growth of smaller businesses is outpacing the growth within larger organizations. So from a purely commercial and economic sense for, for us as a business, it makes more sense because the, the way of, the world of work is changing dramatically. And that's why I'm always so fascinated to hear the stuff that you talk about, about the freelance market, because you know, more and more people are finding the typical working environment doesn't work. So ultimately go out and break out on themselves, either create small businesses, work as freelancers, whatever. But ultimately it's it's that shifting dynamic of how the world of work is evolving, which actually means if we orientate more to make our product more accessible, both from a user interface and usage side of things, as well as commercially, then ultimately that market will be the one that grows quicker than uh, the larger businesses hiring more people and kind of growing with the larger organizations. That's the thinking. Yeah. Does that make uh, sense? Uh, it makes perfect sense. And there are two sides to the, you have kind of a double sided relationship with the freelance community. One of which is you use freelancers within content calendar. I'm going to come to that a little bit later. And the other side is, of course, you provide a service for content cow. So for any freelancers listening who are unfamiliar with content cow, this is your opportunity to pitch. All right. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know what we're going to say. Um, yeah. So the idea of Content Cal is to have all of your all of your content. So everything, not just across social, across multiple channels, organized in one simple calendar interface. The thing that we really think about is coming up with ideas and content creation. How you can gain ins inspiration from other places and save interesting ideas from wherever you find it saving that in like what we call your content hub see that as like your digital ideas pin board if you will so being able to curate inspiration build a content plan that's aligned to a strategic strategy uh, being able to organize your content plan around like themes or campaigns and topics and then being able to analyze your results against those themes and topics helping you to understand precisely what type of content drove results and um yeah that in a nutshell is what what we do um trying to help people make 
content marketing more strategic, help people think about it and create content in a more simplistic way. And, you know, with with the freelance community, the way the two kind of key ways they use content Cal is either for your for your kind of smaller businesses, like your individual photographers, for example. Great. We offer like free or really low cost products just to help them organize their content strategy, allow that to be scheduled and have it automatically published. And then for freelancers that often manage other people's social, we provide those kind of freelance social media managers with a really nice platform to collaborate with their clients so they can share those calendars with their clients. They can approve things, work together. And ultimately, you know, we've had so many success stories of um, freelancers starting as social media managers using Content Cal with a couple of clients and then essentially building up into becoming a full blown agency, but using Content Cal as a platform that's allowed them to grow with that efficiency and with that kind of client collaboration. That was a long answer, but hopefully that gives a degree of perspective on the matter. Well, it's a good pitch. And actually, you know, it, it kind of underpins a lot of the flavor behind the platform itself. So I very much like the language that's used within it. It's not contrite. It's not patronizing. It's not, um, I guess, unnecessarily familiar, which is where a lot of platforms can or overly familiar, which some platforms can be. I think the balance is there quite right. And I'll get on to, to some of the comments from freelancers that, that I've received on the platform itself. Uh, but you what have you learned about freelancing community itself since launching Content Cow almost five years ago? Okay, big question. Um, yeah, I was, I won't mind admitting that I was absolutely naive to this industry before. No idea. I'd obviously heard the word freelancing and knew what it meant, but never really been on my radar significantly before. And the thing that initially put this on my radar was um, working with the digital mums community initially. So, um, so digital mums training uh, a lot of a lot of women coming out, a lot of mums obviously, uh, who had kind of found themselves kind of displaced a little bit because they've they've had their had children want to get back to work, and the typical corporate environment doesn't really flex to that. So, a lot becoming social media managers. So we we found found a lot of digital mums gravitating towards content cal, and we we had special office to make it really accessible for them commercially. And that that really opened my eyes to to the, the changing world of work, I would say. So that's that was significant. That was maybe about four years ago. And that's kind of always piqued my interest around the freelance space. Hence the reason for me, like um, always follow and listen to what you say as well, because I'm always looking for people that understand this market more than I do. And that's kind of evolved as well, because really interestingly, through that digital mums community as well, we got to know some some people really well. Um, and we ended up working, basically outsourcing our social media to people that, that people we'd met through that community. Um, and now, as you already allude to, we we outsource quite a lot of our copywriting as well. And because ultimately to scale how we need to scale as a business, um, it's it's quite time consuming to hire in all the time, right? Because, you know, we're a rapid growing business. We can't think, right, we need to scale our content output this month. Hiring someone takes two to three months to find someone good. So, um, you know, the, the freelance community is in, is incredible and has some immense talent in it. And it, it's a perfect indictment of that. Like um, someone that's become a good friend of mine, uh, Kate, who I met through a digital mum, she used to be a marketing manager at Vodafone, has more skills in marketing than I have by a long margin. And I think sometimes the freelance community is, is undersold a little bit because it's all like, you know, it, it feels to me that sometimes people don't think about it and give it the kind of credibility it deserves. Whereas someone like someone like Kate, for example, incredible uh, amount of expertise. We've we've had a as like a consultant for a while, like advising us on our marketing strategy because it's brilliant. The more input you have on stuff, the better. And and that's really what we've what we've learned from a from a marketing perspective and how we've how we've grown our business, not just selling to freelancers as as like, you know, um, as harsh as that probably sounds. I don't know if that sounds right. But yeah, as much as like freelancers using and paying for our product, as well as like us leveraging so many freelancers as part of our kind of marketing initiative. And also we use freelancers for, for some product development work as well. So it's, it's wide ranging. 
No, I, and and as ever in these conversations, it spawns a bunch of questions I hadn't planned for, which I, I, I need to stick to the original one at the moment, because this is something that's quite similar to when I speak to Merle at Ferilio and Sam at Coconut, is to, to try and paint a picture for us. What part has freelancers played? I'm obviously not talking about the ones that have subscribed to the platform, but freelancers played in the early stages of the growth of, of content count I mean, try and paint it as clear as you can for us so fundamentally it's been in the scaling of our marketing activity our we have a really good seo strategy right because our one of our core focuses has been um well ranking very highly for search which most businesses will want to do so so whilst we have some in-house SEO expertise, so that's fine, you know, the research bit, but ultimately we can't hire, you know, a head of SEO and they spend a lot of their time in meetings, marketers inside, inside organizations, running strategies, doing meetings, getting alignment. Basically, a lot of the work can't get done by the people that you hire, which has always been it's it's been an interesting journey as as big as our marketing team gets we find we have a bigger need for freelancers which i find is fascinating the more people we have the more meetings we have and i don't i don't think we're an exception having worked in marketing teams before i don't think we're an exception in that but as we grow and as we've got a really good seo strategy right we need to execute that in a number of ways so obviously copywriting being one of those so briefing uh, briefing these copywriters, and we have a team of them working, uh, briefing these copywriters to create great content. And it's amazing what they can they can come back with with very little uh, editing capability, editing we need on our side. Brilliant. Then on the other side of things, as I said, we've also um, we also outsource entire channels, so social media, which isn't at the moment, but it was outsourced for a good year. So all of our social media output probably shouldn't be admitting this, but uh, it was all outsourced. Good thing was we had content cal in the middle so we could see exactly what was happening, but ultimately, you know, we outsourced it um, and that was brilliant. And it was so nice to have an interesting and different perspective because when you're in the weeds of a business like, you know, like I am and the rest of the team are, um, it's sometimes so refreshing to have a different narrative. And especially because it was, you know, the, the people that we kind of outsource our content to, let's take our social media that we outsourced, the the person that was taking it, Vicky, she she's a social media manager. She had used Content Cal. She lives and breathes the industry. She can write so much better stuff than we could. Absolutely brilliant. So like it's so good for that level of skills and the, and the execution is brilliant because all of the kind of, you know, I was about to call it bureaucratic nonsense. I probably paint a really overly negative picture of us internally at Content Cal, but um, we have we have team meetings, we have all of our alignment stuff, we have a cl very clear strategies. But ultimately, working with freelancers allowed us to scale those really quickly. Because essentially, if we need to double the amount of blogs that we need to put out because um, we want to rank for this particular term, then we double the amount of freelancers. Simple as that, right? And it's so much easier to scale a business like that. Um, and usually you might think how I'm talking like you would scale up and kind of scale down once you get there. We we our, our mission as a business is to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So ultimately, the network of freelancers will work with is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We also now have kind of bumped into situations with our customers because obviously we we give them a platform to, to build their content strategies. Quite often they'll come to us and go. I really need some extra help about like, you know, defining my strategy. I mean, the tool's brilliant, but like I need some educational help, like help me find my target audience, give me an audit of my competitors. So we we found a lot of these things come in reactively from our customers that we never really planned to build a product for. But actually, you know, we've put that out to a freelance community as well to, to create and connecting our customers with expertise around social media audits or creating paid social campaigns, that kind of stuff. So it's also allowed us to contribute to our offerings for our customers, not just helping us scale uh, our internal workings. So yeah, there's quite a lot of angles to this. There is, and, and I'd like to to ask this, not just on the basis of how people can you know, work with Content Cal, but on the idea of how freelancers can use this answer for to leverage other opportunities. So 
when you you said yourself you've got relationships with digital moms and you put um roles out there for freelancers to apply for what what makes a freelancer stand out for you because there are a lot of social media managers and there's a lot of content writers and editors and others how does how does a freelancer get your attention um it might seem incredibly obvious but the amount that don't drop me a personal note on linkedin and just send a really generic intro um just to our kind of like info app box that it, it's a, it's, it sounds quite harsh but that always tells me that someone doesn't really think that creatively they're not thinking like a a marketer might do so um so someone dropping this is obviously a bit of a hint if someone drops me a a, a, a dm or a, or a connection request on on linkedin then typically i'm going to pay attention to that especially if it's kind of written in a snappier way you know it's from looking at our website it's quite clear our tonality right it's you know it's pretty it's pretty casual not over familiar but it's casual um and and it wouldn't take a genius for someone just to look at anything that i put out because quite frankly i'm I, you know you got you wouldn't spend very long on, on linkedin or look at my profile or going on our youtube channel without bumping into you know my face somewhere so it's really easy for someone to understand the kind of tonality that i use and for a social media marketer or a content writer who you know we we already want them to be in the zone of thinking about content marketing right and our potential customer that's the kind of thing they need to be demonstrating right off the bat that they they truly understand how to how to write that someone will want to listen to it right so so it's kind of like that very initial pitch um so both the kind of placement of that pitch like you know using social to place that pitch for example rather than email is is kind of key number one and two what they write in that pitch and the kind of and the style and the writing of that look you're looking for degrees of creativity in it because ultimately that's going to mean that someone's someone's just a little bit smarter than the rest maybe and wants it a bit more so you're like well that's that then to me feels like a a no-brainer someone's done a bit of research so clearly they're interested and they care they've they've written well and given it some creative edge so you know creativity is utterly key in content creation so um, pick that bit up and also thinking about the target audience of which you know finding ways that you can target i'm saying me it's not me that makes the calls on freelancers our marketing team but like targeting any member of our marketing all of which you'll find on social um targeting them um, those kind of three things will will give it give it a clean understanding of social understanding of creativity and oh there was what was the third bit damn I've forgotten um, there was another really important point but anyway creativity understanding of the target market and you'll be on to a winner you might regret saying that as an answer anyway but we'll uh, we'll worry about that right um, I know Valentine's Day has passed but let me um, spread some love um, because I asked in the freelance community um, what they thought of obviously you saw i asked this on twitter as well because you responded very smart of you anyway um but i asked this in freelance heroes and um uh, and got some responses and i'm keen to know whether this is you know any of this is a surprise whether this is how you expected it to to be i don't mean that in a you know an arrogant perspective but obviously what you're aiming to achieve so um one of which is I, I have uh, used it with a client. I really liked it because of its drag and drop nature, plus being able to have a bank of content you can use rather than having to manually input repeat posts. It's good for evergreen stuff. It's good if you prefer a more visual format, plus you can add drafts and mark them for someone else to approve. And there's a theme that's going to come through this as well, by the way. Um, someone says I don't use it, but I should. But I had to test it out for a client and thought it was really good. Um, but the theme is, is around... Um, customer service so one of which is we have done in the past and it's great awesome customer service um i've used it for clients it's my fave i love that i can build a content bank great customer service too highly recommended love their customer service it's a theme coming through here clearly it's something that you've put a lot into but you know generally if the platform's working well how how often is customer service required uh all the time all the time it's it's never about bugs really uh the the product doesn't really hmm, touch wood the the product doesn't really go down um 
it, it can and it has in the past for temporarily, but it, it doesn't usually. But it's more about like, what's the best way to X, right? And it's, we get that all the time. We have a lot, we have, because we serve a typically a smaller customer, we have varying degrees of expertise of people using our products. So interestingly, and I was having this conversation with someone earlier, where we we find in our, if you look at our customer demographic, we have some on our website, of course, we'll mention, which are the massive brands that use us, BMW, NHS kind of stuff, right? So we don't really hear much from our largest customers, but we hear the most from those uh, that are typically paying the least, which once again is a bit of a challenge to uphold if I'm going to be very transparent. So it's a challenge to uphold that level of customer care. Um, because naturally, like typical 80-20 rules, your top 20% of customers deliver 80% of the revenues and the, the reverse is true. But the, the important point here is like, and this is something that I was, I've been very cognizant of since the start, I think, is the industry we work within, um, everyone knows everyone or if, and everyone is using um, tools like Facebook groups or, you know, these kind of little communities to go, what's the best tool to use? And I've always been really mindful of that because the power of word of mouth is more powerful than any other marketing channel. So even if people are using our product for free or, you know, paying us 100 quid a year as opposed to 20,000 quid a year, um, everyone has has a voice and everyone has a huge amount of power. Um, so it's really important as a business strategy for us to deliver exemplary customer care, irrespective of the the size or the revenue or whatever that people are bringing to us. So um, I appreciate I've gone a little bit kind of off tangent here, but ultimately the questions that people are asking are more, how do I, which is the fact of like, it's kind of indicative of our, some of our smaller customers not having the same level of expertise as some of our larger ones. So naturally they're a bit more heavier lift from a customer service standpoint. But equally, um, and I can't claim, whilst I kind of started the customer success and customer service function, I know, try and hold, I, I'm very precious about our reputation, very precious about it, as I think. Most as people, you should be, of course. Like any, like any business, right? Like freelance heroes, for example, fantastic reputation. You you try your best to uphold it. So so that's, that's why we set ourselves quite a challenge, if I'm honest, because the volume of of customers that we have and the level of customer care we want to give that does does challenge does cause us a challenge no doubt about that at all um we have good tools to manage it like if anyone i'm sure everyone knows this already but if they've interacted with content cal they'll have interacted with our little live chat widget in the bottom right um which is provided by a product called intercom which is really really good um we couldn't have grown without that and and the fact is that whole live chat accessibility is what our customers need in the moment they they need help and i think that's that has also allowed us to kind of orientate ourselves around a fundamental business strategy which is education we know there's there's a big digital skills gap in the uk even though you know our digital skills are are high compared to a, a lot of the developed world but there's still a big skills gap in this industry and we see it a lot from uh, a lot of people that use content cal where they some struggle a little bit in terms of understanding what's the best way to do it. How do I write copy? How do I, etc. Right? There's a lot of. Not everyone is an expert. Lots of people try and do social, but a lot of people need a lot of guidance. So um, education has become a core tenet of our strategy through like launching our academy. All of this is free. Academies, regular webinars, like drop-in strategy sessions. It's all. It's all part of this education side of things because. That is fundamentally the thing that will build trust. And ultimately, trust is a thing that facilitates word of mouth. And once your reputation always precedes you. So I'm, you know, it fills me with joy that people are saying things about our customer service. And even if they're by the sounds of it, some people have, you know, maybe moved on from using us or don't need us for this moment in time. But the fact is they still think about us in that way and then we would recommend us should anyone else ask. And that is the most powerful thing. And that's only facilitated through delivering great customer care that pe that people can genuinely feel and know that we care about them and we care about their success and um yeah it's 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 a heavy lift strategy but it's core to our business 
but I mean, the, the interesting thing about it is, is that because you, you know, you work where you mentioned BMW and NHS, and there are many others too, um, to truly have that positivity as your reputation has within the freelance community, um, there has to be an authentic level of authentic and deep level of um, empathy within that freelance community as well, which many businesses profess to have, but don't. And you don't shout about, but you clearly do have that level of empathy. Is that a conscious decision, you know, or to 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 truly understand where freelancing is in in the overall business economy, um, or is it out of personal interest, or, or or do you see it play freelance economy playing such an intrinsic part of that, you know, exponential growth that you're planning? So two, two ways of answering this. This So number one, yes, I absolutely do see um, freelance as an intrinsic part of not just our business and how we grow our business and our customer base. It's also going to be about how everyone else grows their businesses. The content marketing space and marketing and freelance are two, you know, they're so intrinsically linked that, like, like I said, there's, you know, we've got freelance customers. We have freelancers to grow our businesses, like to help us deliver content. We also use freelancers to grow new initiatives, like you know, delivering audits and strategies. It's so intrinsic to to the growth of our business. But that being said, like we don't profess to, but we're not a freelance focused tool either. So you we won't find the word freelance on our website, um, for example. And I don't expect you you probably will, because ultimately we're an inclusive tool. It's you know if you should love it because you love it and it does exactly what you need to do and you should feel you know feel really well supported whilst you're using it irrespective of whether you're a photographer you're a freelance social media manager or you're you know a communications officer in the nhs as far as i'm concerned you know the 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 needs between those individuals because ultimately content marketing is whilst it, the business might be big we all face the same challenges we face a challenge of like you know, a bit of fear of what we're going to post, like the, uh, like the kind of uh, disorient disorientation of like, what channel should I be on next? Oh, Clubhouse is growing. Should I be there or should I be on this platform? Every person involved in social media, whether you do it as like a sideline because you use it to market your photography business or your social media manager, or you, as I said, you're kind of the, the main social media officer or the head of social at BMW, you face the same internal struggles and you face the same battles it's just that you have a slightly bigger audience that's the only difference um and fundamentally because social media and content marketing is such a fast changing world the need for 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 people and not just organization because ultimately it's people that we're serving not businesses um for people to feel supported and feel like they've got the right uh, level of not just like immediate support because we're always on hand but the right level of expertise hence like the strategy stuff that we we offer and any kind of support we offer because fundamentally we're here to serve humans um, to help them deliver their uh, their content marketing initiatives and um, to be honest that's going that is going to be the future of of marketing it's not b2b or b2c or industry vertical it's like you know we we're all humans trying to do our jobs better so irrespective of where we're at um so i think once you kind of get that you kind of the whole process of marketing just gets much much simpler which goes back of course to your previous point about messaging you personally as opposed to an info at um mm -hmm. box as well with everyone else it's uh it, it's a uh a, a phenomenal way i think marketing has gone through its challenges but i think it's, it's coming out the other side but that's a different conversation um so i can't you know talk here in february 2021 without referencing the last 12 months what impact has that had on you and those you work with as you know and the businesses you work with too from your perspective so three elements oh, i'll always be quite transparent um from a business growth standpoint definitely made us kind of initially in march 2020 go right okay that's that's interesting we'll have to that's that's see we've basically we're kind of in our map of 2020 looks slightly inverse to what their kind of uh what their kind of growth of covid infections look like so if growth of covid goes up you'll see an inflection in uh in content health kind of growth as well so you know in 
in March and November of last year, we, we saw some dips. So this kind of lockdown type of time, we definitely saw a couple of dips. Fundamentally, however, like I, I, we're indirectly affected, right? So we are a platform that allows remote collaboration on content. So we're pretty well, no, we're no Zoom of the world, but we're, we're pretty well placed. So, but that being said, huge amounts of our customers operate in tourism and hospitality and such. So it did mean that we had to give people payment holidays occasionally. So let people off paying for a bit. So that's, it's always a tough thing to do, but you know, it's like economically, but we'll make it work because we'll be here for our customers because we're not, we don't want to lose anyone. And, you know, it sounds incredibly cliche, but we're, we are in it together and we want to be with those customers when we are out the other side of this. So we do everything we can to support people. We also wrapped up our educational content. That's when we launched the academy that I referenced earlier. Because whilst people might not be able to, to pay, we don't want them starting to question the value of content marketing and not doing it anymore. Um, because of course it's in our interest to help people continue like continue believing in the in the in the power of content marketing. So all of that education um, got ramped up there. So yeah, that was that was tough, definitely. Um, Overall, we've still grown 100% year on year, so we have done we've done well despite those dips. Um, so that's that's the business. Um, the second most important bit, or actually the most important bit, but uh, I'm going to give three angles. Is we went from March 2020, we had 13 employees. Might be wrong, but somewhere around that, 13 employees. Uh, by the end of the year, we were at 45. So um, that's that's a lot of um so that was that was interesting um anyway it remains to be interesting because the vast majority of the company i've never met no one's ever met right so um that's an interesting dynamic it's worked surprisingly well considering if if you said that you know at the beginning of last year you'd be like that's ridiculous you couldn't do that but it's amazing what you can do when you have to so and it's amazing how people will work together um and but what the one dynamic that has changed is like obviously we we closed our office for good in march last year but we can't really go back to how it was anymore because we've hired people in scotland in northumberland in um in the midlands you know uh hired people in poland um so we're not all back in an office anymore it's no longer a little kind of startup in a basement in uh, off old street roundabout those days are fully over. So um, I don't have the answer for like what will happen, you know, when we do have choice. I don't have the answer for that yet. Uh, maybe that's one for a future podcast. But it's it, that's definitely changed the dynamic of our business for good. Um, and yeah, and the third thing actually is the least interesting for for me personally. I, I expect I'm probably like like everyone else. For for me personally, yeah, big struggle. Usual kind of. Um, I was about to say mental health battles, but it's not, it's always shades of grey within that. Just struggling, bit of anxiety, that kind of stuff. Um, I have a young family as well. It's just, it's, it's very, it's just intense. So it's an interesting point you're talking about how this is going to uh, look as we come out of this, as vaccinations increase, et cetera, because, you know, clearly many other businesses like yours are closing their doors um and i think there's going to be a rise of co-working spaces but you know hopefully with the supports which by the way i think can also have benefits to local economic communities and high streets as well but again that's uh, probably for a different podcast um but also that you know there was a world there was a time when you i don't know if this was the same for content cow but businesses like yours as well would look for freelancers within the locality of the business your own business because you wanted to meet them face to face because you wanted to be able to to you know share ideas with each other in a coffee shop or over a table and a whiteboard etc um but now of course we're in this enforced environment where it's changed it opens our doors to freelancers as you mentioned across the country north of the border you know poland wherever it, and allows freelancers to also think I don't have to just look for freelance projects in my area. I can look wherever because companies are getting more used to this, which obviously opens up opportunities and, and opens up um, competition too. 
Yeah, it, it definitely does. So um, just from from our perspective on this, Alex, our CEO, um, he said when it does return to some semblance of normality, if if there is a function that wants to meet or a cross-functional meeting to meet around a certain initiative or idea or whatever, um, unless everyone if unless everyone can make it into that office at that time for that meeting, that meeting is not happening in person. That meeting is exclusively an online meeting because the, the reality is if you had, you know, let's say you and I were, were meeting, we had a third person, you know, whilst we would have some chat in the room, that third person by nature is excluded because all of our kind of preamble of like, hey, Ed, how are you doing? How's the weekend? How, how's whatever? So all of that kind of relationship building doesn't happen well virtually especially when someone's in person so the in-person meeting has the advantage and then after the meeting so many times the ideas come after a meeting so you're like all right that's our agenda you'll be walking out the meeting room you'll be like oh actually i just had a thought ed what about this so now that person because they've signed off on zoom or whatever they're completely excluded so now that kind of like that dynamic can't go back to how it was it has to be virtual and you're right. And um, just on that basis, because we always looked at in London for for our hires, which by that very nature is very exclusive. Um, and now we've got massive advantage by being able to look at the talent pool across the UK and beyond. So so now no longer is it a consideration of of location anymore. So that is a that is a brilliant thing. So the downside is, you know, that that wonderful creative spark, the serendipity that happens in a, you know, in an in-person meeting doesn't happen online. It's all very much more formal and formulaic. Um, that's a shame. But the reality is, you know, it is a shame, but it's just we're forced into it. The, but the, the good news is, is the fact that remote working is here to stay um, as a part of working life, whether it will be 100 percent as it is now or 50 percent. I don't know. But it will stay this way, which means that our interest in who we hire and who we work with is no longer location dependent. And of course, as more people work remotely and more people work use remote collaboration tools, it benefits Content Cal too. Um, uh, and Great. how has the last 12 months affected, I, I'm asking this because you've been so incredibly transparent in every other answer, but how has the last 12 months affected the growth plans? You said that you want you know, to be uh, considerably bigger, but how's that lot? I mean, and you've obviously done some way to that already, but how's the last 12 months affected that? So, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there was a bit of, um, there, there was a couple of dips around lockdowns where there was definite nervousness. Most of the nervousness though happened in lockdown V1, right? Because typically marketing is sometimes seen as a discretional spend uh, and, you know, execs of a business can see it as an opportunity to turn things off um be like right panic mode lock it down um as in like lock down the the cost of the business and we'll see where we are in a couple of months i definitely felt that was very much the temperature of many marketing departments where they all flicked into panic mode and all of the comms that they put out was just like you know the holding comms of like we understand it's difficult at this you know difficult time and covid statements coming out you know whatever glad we're past that because yeah all very tedious but so with um with that so that's the kind of that moment where businesses kind of panicked a bit we definitely saw a a dip in um in our growth that's for sure but coming out of may into uh, into the summer months and you know september october we had so they, they were all kind of record months for content cal so we're really fortunate about that it definitely felt like there was a bit of like uh Right. Well, we spent two months, you know, staring at our navels, trying to think about like what's going to happen. Um, but now we're like, well, this isn't changing anytime soon. We can't not market our businesses. We've we've got to crack on. So, um, so yeah, we we started seeing uptick again. Then then saw another another blip around November lockdown, um, which was once again. Uh, it's more kind of delaying decision making, really, because everyone's, you know, businesses have to recast their plans and and think about, all oh, right, what are we doing? We've got another two weeks in lockdown. It's very, it's very busy times and difficult for lots of business planning. So it delays purchasing. Saw the begin, saw the start. Same thing again, all at the first two weeks of January. Um, just really as businesses try and get get into what whatever's happened, like we're in lockdown. We're not. What are we doing? What are the new rules? 
as we see that delaying a bit of purchasing, but ultimately, uh, and then the rest of January and February has been back onto like, you know, record growth. So we grew 100% year over year over the course of um, uh, January, over the course of 2020 rather. So, you know, fundamentally, it's still it's still good, um, but you know, it, it definitely it definitely tempered a degree of our growth, right? So that's that's how I would put it. But we I still feel incredibly fortunate. Um, so I'm not going to say yeah. anything. No, no, no. I understand that. Fair, fair enough. Uh, so last question is is actually aimed at, at other business owners. I know that this is the Freelance Heroes podcast, and majority of people that listen to this are freelancers. But by the sheer nature of talking to you, there may be other business owners of a similar size to yours, other startups as well, who are listening to this. So the question for you, for them, is why should they look to the freelance community? for support whether that's for small or larger projects to help you or your clients right how do i answer that in the most succinct way that's a big question so don't worry about succinctness as long as it's good (laughs) and try and add additional value over what i've already shared but for us fundamentally we could not have grown as quickly as we have without support from free i'm not talking about people buying our product in this point i'm talking about getting our product known we've worked i one thing i didn't speak about earlier was that fact we've worked with freelancers to get us coverage in big press that we couldn't get coverage ourselves like you know guest blogging guest writing um to getting getting us featured that has been so fundamental to our search traffic our our blogs and uh, we had one freelance which we retained his name was Alan for uh, for the best part of a year he was unbelievable for our growth created some brilliant assets for us like this con- free content calendar template he created um, and that has been our top performing asset drives a thousand downloads of that a month um, and it's just that expertise it felt like a shot in the arm for the business when uh, we hired Alan um, and it's like such a fresh new perspective. I thought, you know, I thought I know, I know what I'm doing. I'm director of growth. I know what I'm doing. Met Alan. I was like, flipping out. Keeps me on my toes. Such great insight. Um, he's done it numerous times in numerous other markets. He's got bore, bigger perspective than I do because he's the beauty of being a freelancer is that you get um, so many more perspectives and experiences. And it's it's that balance of perspective that is transformative to a business because it's not like oh this is how i did it in my last organization someone's proven their worth in five other businesses before coming to you and you're like they're like we should do this 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 and this and like okay brilliant um and it's having someone deliver that expertise is incredible and i think that that is though a differentiated element of freelance and i can't imagine everyone operates in the same way that alan might do because we, we do actually have and being quite transparent some freelancers that we retain that will brief they'll do exactly what it says on the tin and return but someone like alan will be like have you thought about that for example we've got another freelancer incidentally called ed who's um who's brilliant obviously runs in yeah brilliant eds obviously it's, it's a thing it's a great name <clears throat> You know, he's he's been brilliant for our email strategy. He's totally rewritten all of the copy for all of our kind of uh, messaging. And and he's constantly bringing ideas to the table to go. We thought about this, actually. I've been looking at the conversion rates between these things, but I've noticed this. And, you know, having someone that's that's like there for you, that you're not feeling like, oh, I've got to brief that freelance. I've got to tell them what to do. Those ones that once they understand the business and you kind of brought them brought them on board um they they can transform your business and give you so so much broader insight in fact i had to just remember that ed is a freelancer because he's been with us for for the last year and i speak to him every single day so i forget that he's not a direct employee um so so that's that's it what you're ingrained with a business really good but that, but what's interesting about that is it's not one or the other you know you're embracing those relationships and retainers while also growing the employee headcount of the business too. It is, it's a very broad perspective you have on on the support you need. And thanks to the likes of Alan and Ed support you didn't realize you need um, it, to help the growth of Content Cal. It's a, it's a great, and re- I have to say, quite a refreshing way of going about it. No, no, I appreciate that. I mean, to be honest, my 
I didn't I didn't approach this with that with that view in mind. It's only because others that we've hired have have done have worked with these individuals in the past and want to bring them in. And it's and it's amazing. It's to be honest, it's you know, whilst I might sound like I'm really progressive and forward thinking, it's just a product of experience because like I've met some freelancers or some have been introduced to me. and I'm like, wow, you sound absolutely brilliant. So, you know, the more people you meet, the more perspectives you get in your in your business and freelancers are brilliant for giving you new perspectives on on different matters, you know. It's it's just transformative, and that is you know that is key. But if if I was going to give any piece of advice for the thing that you know that freelancers can do to differentiate themselves, it's kind of like the the bit that I mentioned earlier about like how you can put that extra bit of effort in that really helps a business go. You're something a bit special, actually. You know, um, we we very much need to work with you. And like like I said, you know, we have no issue. Um, retaining people for a year plus provided that that they're adding value it's just for us we always just find like niche things or not niche but like key things to deploy our freelancers on so ed is purely on our email strategy um because it's such a such a big area of growth and opportunity and i'm rubbish at writing copy and uh so it's brilliant to have someone like that and uh, yeah, the same for, for Alan, because he's got such great thoughts on like looking at SEO and thinking about like what are these big assets that we can create and get them to rank. Um, so, yeah, love it. love it. Well, what you may lack in writing copy, you excel at in telling stories. So thank you very much for telling the story of, of Content Cal and uh, obviously wish you safe, happy and well to you and the Content Cal family over the, the coming year and beyond too. And thank you for your, your very transparent and honest insights into the relationship with the freelance community too it's as i said quite refreshing but equally as well uh, quite informative i think for many people to many freelancers to to take a greater reflection of maybe how they approach businesses like yours too amazing well i'm really really pleased to be part of this ed so thank you for for allowing me to be so thanks to andy there and do go and check out content cal if you haven't experienced it before and give their free trial ago. Uh, coming up next week, we talk to the founder of Digital Mums, who has not only connected with the freelance community, but has also helped educate and inspire and empower many freelancers to start their freelancing journey. So I can't wait uh, to have that conversation. So join me then. Until then, have a great week. Bye for now. <laughs>